Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue uh, chapter 11, uh, and uh, we continue learning about the cycle of history as it goes on, <coughs> in a very, excuse me, in a very detailed description uh, by the Prophet in the vision that he's giving to Daniel of future events in history. And as I explained in 11a, I'm going to avoid identifying specific kings and which specific empires it's talking about and concentrate more on the broader idea that these are the kinds of things that are going to be happening throughout history. So in one sense, um, these predictions are predictions about many different empires, and you'll see each one could easily apply. If we, as the longer history goes on, the more examples of each one of these cases we can look at. So now we're in the middle of talking about the king of the north who had overpowered the king of the south and he had conquered the land of, of Israel um, where the Jews were trying to establish their nation. And then, um, and then uh, we're, uh, he, he tried to make alliances through marriage with some other kingdoms, but then those alliances ended up uh, not working out. They, uh, the... The, instead of making the marriage happen, they rebelled. So the king wasn't able to get more powerful that way. So what he does now in verse 18 is he turns his attention to faraway lands and starts capturing more in order to make himself more powerful. So now he turns towards the Iyim, the farther away lands, the islands. And he captures many of them. But eventually, um, he the the officers will will uh, gather together and and create a council and end up um, uh, shaming and embarrassing the king, uh, and they'll rebel against him. This is another thing. When sometimes you'll have a government, and then a group of officers, or a group of top leaders, take him out in a coup d'état or something like that. This is a, again a cycle of history, and this king. Is is ordering wars against faraway lands, and 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 trying to conquer faraway lands, and people get tired of it. The officers rebel, and that's the end. This could be references to many, many things, even in modern history. So then the king will go back to his strongholds, to the places where the people to support him. But he's not going to make it. It's not going to work. He's going to end up getting caught. And eventually he will just get killed and, and vanish from the scene. Which again could apply to many, many uh, leaders that we could probably think of. Uh, I don't know, you could apply it to, I don't know, Napoleon or to disappear to an island or, or you know. I mean, I don't know, there's just so many examples of this. I'm just saying that, just, you know, you can use your own imagination to see how this is referring to the cycle of history of Yamad al-Kano. And then someone else will stand in his place. Ma'avir nogeis heder malchus. And, and um, who will, who will uh, someone will stand in his place who is going to uh, hire someone or send someone as to, to be strong over the people and reestablish the glory of the old kingdom. But it's not going to work. It'll break. It'll break down. But it won't break in war. It won't break 
to, through through war. It'll just break because of uh, presumably because of corruption, because it's just he's just not effective. It's it's it, whoever's trying to reestablish this kingdom kingdom is just being ineffective in trying to reestablish it. Viamar al Kadron and then someone else will come and take over, but this person will be a disgusting, yeah, hateful person. Malchus on a person who is not who just does not have the royal majesty that a king should have. He's just a disgusting uh, uh, not not uh, an indist, undist, a not distinguished person, a, a not uh, dignified person. But he will still manage to be the ruler because he knows how to play games. He knows how to lie. He knows how to cheat. He knows how to, to bribe. He knows how to maintain his kingdom that way. And again, you could think of many examples in history of people that led a country in that type of, of a way, not because they had the majesty of a king, but because they knew the tricks and the lies and so on. Uzra'ot HaShetef Yishatfumil Fanov and the event, this, 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 this tricky king, this disgusting king, uh, the, 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 the power of the flood of the armies will eventually be, um, be, they will, his armies will overflow. Remember the, the same bad metaphor over other countries and he'll knock down other countries. Vishaveru begam negid bris. And um, and they will be broken, and not only will they be broken, but also the leader of the covenant will be broken. Now, who is this Nigid Brit? Who is the leader of the covenant? Presumably, the leader of the covenant is referring to whoever is leading the Jewish people in Israel at this time. Remember, the northern kingdom uh, that had conquered several verses ago had conquered the Eretz Tzvi, the land of Israel, and the Judeans that were there, who... Um, <clears throat> and now this tricky leader is going to come, and again he is going to invade the land of Israel. So what he's conveying to Daniel is that yes, the Jews will return to Israel and the temple will be rebuilt, but it ain't going to be easy because already several times they've been conquered, they've been abused, and so on. Umin hitchabrut ya and through his his alliances he's going to. He's going to do more deceitful tricks. And remember, we're talking about someone who's who's notably untrustworthy. And he will eventually uh, just keep his power, maintain his power, and grow his power with with his few people that are his uh, sycophants and his few people that 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 um, that pander to him and um, and maintain his lies and deceit. He will then go ahead and invade in the, the peaceful lands, lands that there was no reason to invade, but lands that are mishmane, they are fat with wealth. He'll come and in trickery, he'll go and he'll do things and take them. He's going to act in ways that are so cruel to these other countries that are even more cruel than his forefathers and the ones who preceded him. Biza v'shalal ruchush lahem yivzar. He will, he will, um, he will uh, uh, um, uh, take from them all of this, all of this booty and bounty and wealth, and then he and he will bring that back to his kingdom and give it out. 
and then he will have all kinds of ideas about attacking other countries. But this will only last a certain amount of time. This kind of treacherous activity and, and dishonest activity only lasts so long. So at one point, so he will meet his end. And how will that happen? Via Er Koho, he's going to muster up all of his strength and decide in his heart to attack Amal Hanagav, the southern king, Bechayel Gadol with a big army. However, in this case, this, the king of the south is going to be really strong and fight strong with a very large and powerful army. And, and um, they will devise all kinds of plans against him and therefore this treacherous king will not be able to stand against the king of the south. And the people that eat his bread, meaning the ones that surround this king, they will themselves, as once they see him losing in the battle, then his own people are going to be the ones that are going to do him in. And again, we see this a lot in history, that when a king is starting to lose his grip, that's when the people around him pounce upon him and assassinate him. And many people will die. And both kings... The kings of the north and the south They both have evil designs and evil ideas, and they both are a bunch of liars. And therefore, in the end, because they are both a bunch of liars, they will not be successful. Because there is a time for the true kingdom to come about. There will be a time of truth. And therefore, the people of falsehood will not last forever. They'll always meet their end. He will return to his land with great wealth, and with his mind set on taking down the Jewish people and wrecking the second temple. And having done what, it, what he wanted to do and conquering these other lands, he will return to his land. And then there will again become a time, at a certain time, will come again and attack his, his, his common enemy, the south, king of the south. But the second time will not go the same way the first time went. What's going to happen then? When he comes the second time, there will be um, ships of the Kitim. These are uh, people that had ships of war they're going to come, Vishav Vizam al Brit Kodesh Vyasa. And they will push him back, push him back to the, to the north. And the anger against the Holy uh, Covenant, meaning against the people of Israel, he's, he, they're going to come and attack them too. Vishav Yavena Lozer Brit Kodesh. And having done what he wanted, he will then start to um, pay attention to the people of Israel. And once he puts his designs against the people of Israel, this is going to be the time when the constant, the, the, the sacrifice that was, was bought daily in the, in the temple to God, they're going to stop the daily sacrifices and they're going to bring their own disgusting idols into the um, into the into the temple so all of this fighting around israel between these large kings and these big empires the one who who ends up controlling 
the, the land of Judea is going to abuse the Jews and abuse their, their religious practices, which must have been very upsetting to Daniel to hear, because here he is hoping for the rebuilding of the Second Temple, and now he's hearing that when the Second Temple happens, there's still going to be so much strife and so much fighting. It's not going to be an easy, it's not going to be an easy time. Umarshi habris, and those umarshi brit, and those who um, act badly towards the Brit, towards the covenant, meaning towards the people of the covenant, the people of Israel, yachinif bechalakot. He, he will flatter them with all kinds of smooth words. In other words, he's going to convince, it sounds like he's saying that the, this king is going to speak nicely to those of the Judeans who want to, um, who, who want to be close to him and he'll say nice smooth things and he'll convince them to abandon their own people and their own ways. But the people, there still will be people among the people that will stand firm. If we looked at a time of the Second Temple, it sounds like this, an example of this would be the Hellenizers who were taking upon themselves the customs of the Greeks and bringing the Greek gods into the temple itself. But the people themselves the, the, uh, of Israel, Judea, the majority of the people will stick with their God and stick with their temple. The knowledgeable among the people, in other words, those that are learned, those that know the ways of God, will be able to explain to the public not to fall for these tricks. However, there will still be a lot of fighting and wars, and many of the faithful people will die by the sword, by fire, by captivity, and um, and uh, by being um, uh, conquered by the armies. However, even though they're losing the battle with these people of, of Judah at the time, they will still get help from somewhere. Others will join them in the fight against in the rebellion, but they will join them kind of in a tricky way, not because they really believe in the um, in the cause of the Judeans, but because they have some other skin in the game, some other reason to do it. And from those that are intelligent, from those that are educated and know the ways of God, some will slip up, the trof bahem, and why will they slip up? In order to be purified, in other words, because they're going to go through a process, even though they're religious and faithful to God, they're not perfect, they're going to go through some punishments and some hard times in order to strengthen them so that they can become more pure, so that, uh, so that when the end of time comes, because that end of time is going to come, they're they will be ready, they will be more ready for it. So after the Second Temple, there will be times of suffering, there will be times, but those times, what that's going to do is, it's going to bring out their faith stronger so that they're going to be pure and ready for when the end of times comes. Also, Kirtzono HaMelach, this king that's attacking the Judean people will do whatever he wants, V'yis Romain, V'yis Gadel Al Kol El. And this seems to be talking about some king with a far-off future, that's going to get so strong, and he's going to be so great and so big, he's going to consider themselves higher than all of the gods, and, and higher than, and, and, and regarding the God of gods, meaning the real God, he's going to speak blasphemously about him. This king is going to be so arrogant, 
he's going to think of himself as greater than everything, greater than all of the gods with a small g, and also he's going to speak blasphemously against the god with a large g. But he will be successful until God's anger is over, because he'll be successful in doing this until God decides that the time is up. Um, be, uh, that, that which God has wanted to be done is done, he will be successful until that happens. But he will have no respect for the gods of his own forefathers, even for his own traditions he has no respect. And I'm going to translate Chemdat Nashim here like Rashi does. The uh, Rashi refers Chemdat Nashim means the, the 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 one who is beloved by the by the women or the the love of women is a reference to the the Jewish people as the beloved of God. He has no concern for them or their welfare. And this one has no respect for any god, not even his own idol god. Because he thinks he's greater than everything and everyone, and he's so powerful. Arrogance. Arrogance is going to be his downfall. Arrogance is his main flaw. Verse 38, What, What will he give honor to? He will give honor to one, and that is the um, the God of strength, the God of might, the God of war. To gods that aren't part of his own tradition, he will honor them with gold and silver. So in other words, wealth and power is what he's going to worship. And he will deal with the um, fortified countries that he attacks and other nations that he attacks, he will deal with them with this strange God, this God of arrogance, this God of wealth, this God of might, but not, not nothing um, about the, the, with no respect for any of the traditions or even, uh, even the idolatrous traditions. Asher Yakir Yabek Kavod. He will, um, he will what, what happens is those that go with him, he will honor them. And make them rulers. And what he's, he's going to conquer lands and he's going to sell those lands and increase his wealth that way. Over eight kates. But then there will be a time that the king of the south will wage war with this incredibly powerful king who thinks he's greater than all the gods. The king of the north will then attack back with riders and horses of Ani Ilsar, both in many ships. We're talking about this huge war coming near the end of times. And he will sweep through and invade through the lands with floods of warriors. Eventually, he will reach the land of Israel, and many people will fall in this battle. But some nations in the area will be saved. Some of the people, the Edomites, the Moabites here, list some of the people surrounding that land of Israel that will survive this cataclysmic battle. And then he's going to start attacking lands everywhere. And even Egypt, which is the, one of the most stable empires in those days, that you know, had it ups and it's down, to, but it always seems to be around. Even Egypt, Lotiel, Eretz will not 
um, will not escape the, the wrath of the, this war. He will gain control. He will rule over all of the storehouses in the world of gold and silver, and all the treasures of Egypt, and the people from the areas surrounding Egypt. Luvim is generally considered Libya, and Kush is, is probably modern day Sudan, somewhere around there. But then, as he's built all this power up, he's going to hear news from the east and the north of Yatzavachemagadola, and then he's going to get really mad because now he's hearing people from the east, people from the north, and new places they're coming to attack him. And he's going to send out a battle uh, um, assemblies, uh, war warriors to attack. No, he will set up his. his um, Royal house Benyamin between the sea and the beautiful holy mountain, which typically refers to Jerusalem. But then at some point, his arrogance will get to him, his time will come, and no one's going to care about him anymore, and he's going to reach his end. The king that built up so well, he's gonna he built up his power so much with so much selfishness and so much arrogance, at some point. It's all going to come and collapse in on top of him, and no one's going to care about him anymore, even those people that he paid off to, to make them his friends. This is the conclusion of chapter 11. I know there's a lot of detail. I know I didn't, um, but we're going to really learn the meaning of chapter 11 in chapter 12. So stay tuned for chapter 12, where we will understand what was all this stuff about, all these wars and battles and so on. What was it all about? Why did he go? Why did the angel tell Daniel all of these visions? And what did they mean? Thank you so much for studying with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 12 and completing the book of Daniel together.